This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. You love Jesus. I love church. Okay, well, um, I don't know. I'm like all peaceful now, you know? Like I just want to sing to the Lord some more. And my sermon's not that peaceful Jesus loves you. Um, so just stick with me, as weird as it may seem. Um, where do I start? So David and I, Pastor Dave, Pastor Dave, and I like to watch documentaries. And so um, we, you know, because sometimes there's junk on TV. And so we, we've suspended, because, you know, you kind of let go in pieces. We've suspended our satellite and gone with Roku so that we're being diligent in what we watch. Thank you, Modest. They they did that years ago and said, you really should do it. You know, and you're trying not to do what your friends do all the time because you don't want to tell them that they're right. So anyway, <laughs> they're laughing at me. Um, so anyway, we suspended uh, Dish Network and we're, we're using this Roku thing and we've put these documentaries on. Well, we came across this documentary that... Um, Usually when I pick one, the whole family whines. And so I picked one about the brain, and they were like, great, some medical documentary that we have to watch. But the kids all fell asleep, which is goal number one. And then uh, Pastor Dave and I were watching it. And I'm, like, ready to jump off the couch, excited about this documentary. And, oh, my gosh, do you see what they're saying about the Bible? And he's looking at me like I'm insane. So it was already late, and we put all the kids to bed. But I said, no, you have to stay up with me, and you have to talk to me. And, you know, that's how wives are. So anyway, we sat around talking about this documentary. And this documentary basically proves the Bible true, which is just, to me, awesome when science and people who are not Christians at all say exactly what the Bible says without even knowing the Bible. It just proves how awesome and amazing God is. So I was really excited about that. So we're going to watch a video clip of this documentary, and then I'm going to kind of walk you through the rest of the documentary and the Word of God on it. Um, so it's called The Brain That Changes Itself is the documentary. You can actually watch it on YouTube. Um, anyway, it's about um, neuroplasticity which is going to mean nothing to you later. But what that means is that your brain changes. So you know when you tell kids they make a face and you tell them you're, if you keep doing that, your face is going to get stuck like that. Well, you know how we tell you, be careful little eyes what you see? You know, be careful little ears what you hear? Well, it's legit because your brain will get stuck that way. And not forever, but you have the choice of what you put into it. So anyway, um, I'm going to let you watch... Dr. Pasqualiani, as he talks about the brain, and then then we'll get into the word. You weirded out yet? Okay. All right. So while we can go for our video. Remarkable experiments have shown that we can change and restructure our brain anatomy simply by using our imaginations. One of the things I became interested in is the question of how do the maps change when you simply think of things, when, when you don't do anything other than thinking. We took normal subjects and uh, we set them in front of a piano and asked them to learn to do a five-finger movement exercise. They just had to go from thumb 
to little finger, back to thumb, back to little finger, at a given rate. And we found that over these five days of practice, the part of the brain that controls finger flexions got larger and larger and larger. But we had another group of subjects who simply sat in front of the piano and imagined themselves moving. And we made sure that they did not move, but simply mentally rehearsed the actions. What we found in them is that the brain changed in exactly the same way as in those that actually physically practice. So the, the idea is that just thinking will change your brain. And what that ultimately means is that one needs to be careful with what one thinks. This beautiful experiment complements the work of Nobel Prize winning psychiatrist Eric Kandel, who showed that thinking actually turns on genes inside neurons to form new connections between brain cells. And this idea is further complemented by brain scans which show that psychoanalytic, cognitive and other psychotherapies also change the brain structure through the use of thought alone. I think we're now learning that in fact the brain is changing all the time. That, that the brain is changing with everything we think, with everything we experience. Um, that plasticity is an intrinsic property of the brain. And it's not something you can switch on and switch off. It's simply there. And, um, and so the challenge is to learn enough about it so that you can guide the changes. Pasqualione's remarkable experiments have shown that we can change and restructure our brain anatomy simply by using our imaginations. One of the things I became interested in is the question of how do the maps change when you simply think of things, when, when you don't do anything other than... It's replaying. Sorry. So, did you catch that? That your brain's changing all the time, and one should be careful what one thinks. Did you catch that? So, I'm listening to this going, I know, right? So, let's get into the word a little bit on it. Um, I just, I'm so excited about that, because it really goes back to how you behave has to do with how much word you have and how much you're letting the Holy Ghost flow through you. So, frustration, anger, lack of patience, blah, 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 all has to do with how much word you have. So, we're going to get into this. Um, I want you to write a few things down before I start um, going into points, because, you know, there's three points, because I've been Pastor Dave trained. So, there's three points. Um, but I want to give you a couple scriptures first. So, Romans 10:17, we all know that one. Um, so we're not going to turn to these, but I would like for you to write them down. Romans 10:17. faith comes by hearing the word of God. So obviously the more word you have, the more faith you have, and that's working through your spirit, but your head and your heart submit to that. So your spirit should be first, and your soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, will come in line. Hebrews 4.12 says that God's word is alive and powerful. So that, to me, I'm looking at that going... You know what? If our brain's changing all the time, which means just by what we're putting in, it's changing physically what's happening in our brain. So did you see that on the maps? The part of their brain, just when they sat still and thought about doing this with their fingers, that part of the ch brain changed. So if you would just be still and know that God is God, 
and meditate on his word, it will change. So to me, that's telling me, okay, his word is alive and powerful. Even science can prove it changes the physical makeup of our brain. But imagine what that does in the rest of your physical body. Talk about the word of God being healing for us. Proverbs 4, 20 for 22 says, pay attention to the word, get it in your heart because it brings life and healing to all your flesh. So are you following me here on that? Like how big of a deal that is? Just the amount of word that you put in can change the whole rest of this, not to mention what comes out of this, which to me is a really big deal. So anyway, that got me all excited. So how in the world do we do that with the word? Because we all, you know, I mean, we're family in here. We all read our word every day. We talk to the Lord every day. That's kind of a given. But how do we, like, put it into practice and make it really happen? Because I don't know about you. Maybe you don't have struggles anymore. But I still have struggles, especially as a mom. I love my kids. But there's a whole lot of chaos that happens in my house and in my life. And I'm an organized, ordered person. So in order to live in that, I have to keep this right and this right and not smack no one around. You know, it's important. So I need the word of God in order to help me. So anyway, I'm just going to tell you. Maybe you don't need it, but I'm just going to tell you anyway. Um, so first of all, we have to change our mind and how we think, which was one of the hardest struggles for me in becoming a Christian um, because I had been a Christian my whole life and it was all about God, but without God, showed up in church, did what I was supposed to, and then left and did what I thought I needed to do. Um, but God has a different plan than that. So let's crack open our Bibles here, and we'll go to Romans 12. Most of these scriptures we should all already know, but they're really pointed in thinking about, man, how much it can change what you can touch. You know, pastor says the spiritual always determines the natural, whether good or bad. And, you know, we've all heard that. Oh, well, you need to pray. You know, that's going to change what naturally is here. But just think about the word of God and what it can. It can change what you see and what you can feel and touch. So Romans 12 about changing our mind says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior or customs of this world. Now, I just have to get on that for a minute because I'm just going to. So youth-wise, we get the question all the time about tattoos and piercings. And how come we don't have any and... I'm not going to harp on it because it's not going to keep anybody from heaven. But if it's a custom of this world and the Lord hasn't like specifically told me to go be doing that, then I'm not going to do it because I'm not going to copy the culture of this world. So and that's neither here or there, but that was a free one for you. Anyway, don't copy the behavior or customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So, okay, we've asked Jesus into our heart, and he's gotten on the inside of us, and, you know, we've had that moment of, yes, Lord, I'm yours. And then what happens the next day? 
And sometimes we kind of get into a rut of, yeah, that's just normal. Yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I read my word. But has he been able to really change how you think about things? Change how you think about your checkbook, about your job, about your relationship with your spouse? Just the automatic things that you think and how you respond to people and what you do. You know, that's a big deal. So let God transform you into a new person by changing what you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Well, where's God's will? His word, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So there's nothing bad in his will. And he's the one who's going to transform how you think. It's not something we totally do on our own. So now let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to go to Ephesians 4, verses 21. So in changing our mind, that's our first step. We're going to change our mind. So in order to do that, we've got to change the way that we think. And then in Ephesians 4, verse 21, it says, Since you've heard about Jesus... And have learned the truth that comes from him. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. Way of life, way of doing things, how you behave, how you think and act. Which is corrupted by lust and deception. And Dylan was just talking about deceived people never know they are. So the blessing is when Jesus comes, he he takes the blinders off and shows you, okay, you're deceived. You know, this isn't quite how it ought to be. But at that point, we're still trying to figure out, okay, well, I'm not like totally lost at this point, but now I know that I'm lost. So I need to navigate the path, right? Has anyone else found that? That now when you know Jesus, you really know Jesus, you're like, okay, well, now what? Now how am I supposed to behave and act and change my life? So we're supposed to throw off all of that old stuff and instead let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So there's actions to be had there. We're going to change how we think by throwing off our old habits, thoughts, actions, responses, reactions, and we're going to put on Jesus, which takes some effort. I don't know if any of you have family like my family, but that takes effort in making sure that you're not reacting and responding in how you used to, but you're reacting and responding as God would have you to do. So you have to put on Jesus for that to be able to happen so that it will be the Holy Spirit and not us. So that's what we're going to like learn how to do. But that just doing that is going to change the physical makeup of our bodies and our families and our finances, and that gets me excited. So, anyway, Colossians 3 is where we're going next. So we're going to change how we think by throwing off our old nature and putting on Jesus. And in Colossians chapter 3, we're going to read for a while. So just stick with me. I'm going to read it to you. And if you didn't get a chance to read your own Bible today, by the time we're done, you'll have enough scripture fit in that... (laughs) But you'll be okay. You'll go to bed remembering something. So in chapter 3, verse 1 in Colossians, it says, Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, 
set your sights, envision, focus, pay attention to the realities of heaven, not what's in the world or what's in front of you or what the struggle is. Where Christ sits in heaven in the place of honor at God's right hand. So pay attention to Jesus. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. So put to death the sinful nature. Now, follow with me here, but didn't it just say we were already dead? We're already dead to our old life. And our life is hidden with Christ. But when Christ is revealed, we get to share in his glory. So then right after that, it says, so put to death your sinful desires. Hold on. So we already died to all that, right? Didn't it just say, so now I'm a little confused. If we're already dead to it, why am I putting things to death? Because the first part is talking about our spirit. Our spirit's been totally renewed. But the flesh is a different story. Our soul is a different story. So what an opportunity here that it's explaining that to us. To say that, okay, I changed the inside of you. I changed your spirit. You're going to have eternal life. It's a given. But in order to change the way you think, you're going to have to kill the rest of your attitudes and habits. And so you have to put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. I don't know if you have anything lurking, but sometimes I got some stuff lurking that you got to kill. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. And you can look at that not just in greed, but in a whole lot of areas. In what your habits are, are you worshiping God in all that you say and do? Or are we an idolater? And I know that's harsh, but it's true. Because of these sins, God's anger is coming. That's legit. You know, the statement we talk about all the time that, well, only God can judge me. Uh Uh-huh. And he's coming. And it ain't going to be good. So, you know, especially um, one of the verses that changed my life, this is another freebie, is Hebrews 10.26. It says that you, if you keep on sinning after knowing the truth, Jesus didn't die for you. That one's rough. You know? So, like, if you don't put it to death, he didn't die for that sin. And he can't be around sin. So you're not saved. You know what I mean? That one's a rough thing. So we've got to focus on Jesus. And we've got to let him start talking to us. About in his word, oh man, I see that. I'm going to change that in my life. Oh, I see that habit. Okay, Lord, what do you, what do you want me to change in my attitude today? And sometimes, you know, you're just wandering along through life and you're not waiting on him to talk to you. But we've got to be focused, you know, especially in battle. Dylan was just talking about that. Just in, in a battle, you're focused. You have a head goal. But sometimes you get blindsided. You never think you're going to hear that happen. But if we're focused on Jesus, it won't even faze us. It'll be a different story. So put to death the sinful desires. 
Let's go down to verse 7. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now's the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you've stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Put on Jesus, put on your new nature, and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter, Jew or Gentile, and it's it's going on to talk about it. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what you're from. You're putting on Jesus. And I was from a pretty good life, but coming to California, we've had a bunch of youth kids and just a bunch of friends and families who've come from not middle class, happy, Pleasantville America. Um, they've been through some rough stuff. And, you know, for me to look at it and go, oh, I have a struggle in getting rid of that junk out of my life and putting on Jesus. I look at their life and go, man, it must be really hard to put on Jesus. But you know what? They step into that easier than a lot of us do. Because when you've had tragedy, when you've had rough stuff happen, you just know that Jesus is such a relief and such a way of life that when you give it all to him, you don't pick it back up. You don't put it back on. So that has been a great example to me in knowing that, okay, I say I've killed it, it's dead. I don't have to pick it back up. Because as long as I'm focused on Jesus, he's going to make me able. I don't have to think, okay, how can I not be upset about this? Or how can I have peace today when I don't feel like I have peace? If I just focus on Jesus, he'll do it for me. So we're going to change our mind by changing how we think about things with the word. And we're going to throw off the old and put on Jesus. Then, second, we're going to take action. And Paul gave us a really good way to take action. Because of all people, Paul, and we're going to Philippians 4, one of my favorite chapters, one of Pastor Dave's favorite chapters. Paul had a lot to throw off. You know, he was killing Christians and, you know, being wonderfully religious. And the Lord stopped him. But you've got to think, that's a whole lot of change in the way you think. Because he knew the word of God. He knew a whole lot of the word of God and had been trained in it. And God stopped him and told him, no. So how do you change your thinking when you've been, you've been a believer all that time? Well, Paul gave us some steps of action to take. So we're going to start in verse 4, and we're going to follow this a little bit. So the actions we're supposed to take, it says, always be full of joy in the Lord. Most of us can pull that off, at least on the front. But when we get at home, do we really have joy? Or are we just living? Are we surviving? I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. So we're going to be joyful and we're going to be considerate in all we do. Remember that Jesus is coming soon. And that kind of goes back to better throw it off because he's coming. So Jesus is coming. Then the next one is don't worry about anything. Can you imagine what that does in your brain? I don't know how many of you know hormones and all that kind of stuff, but happy hormones and worry hormones are vastly different. So if you think about that physically, 
It's changing what your brain is doing. When you're sitting worrying, you're asking for depression. You're asking for suicide thoughts. And if you would just stop and focus on Jesus, it'll make it different. So that's why he says, first, be full of joy. And he says it again. Rejoice in the Lord. So it doesn't matter if life is stinking. Just stop. Just stop and say, God, thank you. You're alive. You made the mountains. You made this wonderful desert I live in. Regardless of if I hate tumbleweeds, you made it, Lord, and you're awesome. Even if everything around you stinks, joy will help you not worry. So we're going to be joyful and considerate. Remember, Jesus is coming, and we're not going to worry. It says, instead, pray about everything. The best way to have a relationship is talk. And I know that uh, some of us don't <laughs> don't use as many words in a day as I do, but that's okay. <laughs> so just talk to the Lord. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. And I had a, a such a great example in my dad of who God is that he loves you whenever you're stupid. You can throw a fit. And he gets it. He understands. And he cares. So we've had, I don't know, youth kids, adults say, well, I can't just like, you know, I can't be disrespectful to God. No, you shouldn't be disrespectful to God. But when you scream, oh, I'm so mad, you know, oh, I can't do it. You know, Lord, I'm trying and everything's falling apart. He gets it. And it's okay. And it's acceptable. Just talk to God. Then it says... Then here's the results. You will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. This is the best part. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Jesus. I don't know about you. Maybe it's only me. But when you're going about life, do you ever have thoughts and go, where did that come from? Why am I thinking that? Good heavens, you know, or maybe from your past, something, you know, a picture of something you never should have seen shows up or a movie that most of it was okay, but that part wasn't. But that's the part you remember. And you'll be going about your business. You'll be having dinner, whatever, and it just shows up. Well, just think about that. The more word you have in you, it will guard your heart and your mind. Think about that. Think about aneurysms and brain tumors and depression and anxiety. Think about what the Word can do for all of that. Just simply sitting and focusing on the Word. And I don't mean reading all through the book of Daniel. Because, you know, I'm like a lot of you. I read all through the book of Daniel. And I had to start Googling commentaries because I'm going, you know what, I'm into Bible college and I don't know what in the world that's all about. So, I don't mean reading through the whole book of Daniel or the whole... I mean getting a scripture, stopping, and focusing on it. And letting it go through your mind all day long. That, to me, is a bit more beneficial than reading the entire Bible. Than reading all about the life of Jesus. Or studying on the agape love of the Lord. You know, if you just get one verse and you focus on it, And it can change the way you think. That's what the purpose of the word is. 
And that's putting on Christ. So what an opportunity to totally change how we think. So we're going to change how we think by throwing off the old nature, putting on Jesus to be like him. We're going to be joyful and considerate. Remember he's coming. And we're going to not worry. We're going to pray. And we're going to let him change our heart and our mind. He's going to guard us and give us peace. So now I want to look at some promises because this is the best part. Promises are the best part. Have you, I mean, maybe I'm the only weird Christian, but I've been in church all my life. And when people say, oh, the promises of God, his promises are yes and amen. Okay, so like, what's the promise? Right? Like, yes, God is good. He's always faithful to his promises. Okay, so like, what? What promise? So let's talk about some of them. Because promises to follow a changed mind and actions are in the Bible. And he gives us good stuff. So I'm going to go to Psalm 19. My mouth is too close to this microphone. Psalm 19. And verse 7. We've been talking in our Bible basics class. And for Kathy's sake, I'm going to tell you that you don't have to be signed up to come. You just have to be mentally prepared to listen to me talk about the Bible. Um, so, but you're welcome to come. In our Bible basics class, we've been talking about, about the Bible and its value and different aspects of it and how to better understand cultures within the Bible. Anyway, it's just a fun Bible study. Um, but the reason I say that is because the beginning of this verse says, the instructions of the Lord are perfect. Reviving the soul. Now, in Genesis, it talks about we are made in the likeness of God, right? We all agree with that. God made people in his own image. Well, that means we're in three parts. And a lot of times people use that verse to, well, I'm made beautiful like God because God doesn't make a mess. Yeah, he did make you. However, that verse is talking about God made you in three parts, spirit, soul, and body. So your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. Maybe it's only women. But sometimes we need reviving. Maybe I'm the only one. But your soul could use some reviving. He promises that he's going to revive, give new life to your will. Has anyone ever been amidst a battle and, like, you just, you don't have the will to fight anymore? Like, just forget it. Whatever happens, happens. Well, if you focus on the word and you're getting that in you, it's going to guard your heart and your mind. But he promises that he will revive your will and your emotions. Yeah? And your mind. What a blessing. That goes back to the 23rd Psalm. Right? He'll restore my soul. So then, right after that, it says, The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making the wise simple. And some of you know that there's a revised Katie version of the Bible. But we're going to go there right now. So making the wise simple. Do you know what that means? Making the dumb smart That's a blessing, because I don't know if you ever feel that way, but I know, like, at my job sometimes, and I work here, 
sometimes I get into some stuff and I go, I'm, I'm just such an idiot. Like, just if I could go to college and learn all this. Well, the Lord's going to change my mind and he's going to revive my will. But better yet, he'll make me not be stupid. That's a blessing, right? That's a great promise to me. So now we're going to flip over to Psalm 1. Psalm 1. I love the book of Psalms. We're going to like get out super early tonight, so just stick with me, okay? I talk a lot, but not when I preach. Anyway, Psalm 1 is so good, and we're going to read verses 1 through 3. It says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, or the word of God, meditating on it day and night. Okay, now you remember what the doctor was talking about. Just this. Just this. For a one-week period. One time a day for one week. Changed a portion of the brain like this into a size like this. So, those who delight in the word of God and think about it, meditate on it, reflect on it day and night. Oh, their joys. That's what it just said right there. Oh, your joy. He's going to give that to you. And then this is one of my most favorite verses ever. Verse 2 said, delight in it, meditate on it. Verse 3 says, they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Now, there's a whole lot in that verse. A tree planted by a riverbank. So you've got to think about that for a second. There's always a water supply. Even if the river is below ground, like our Mojave. There are more trees that grow by the riverbed than grow in the rest of town. Because there is always a water source. Always a source of food. Now think about that. The Lord's always with us. And yes, the Holy Ghost is always with us. But because we're meditating on it day and night, the source is always right there with us. And we bear fruit in every season. So we can't fail. We don't lose. Because the source is always right there. And they prosper in all they do. That doesn't necessarily mean you are a billionaire, but it means you're blessed in everything you do. If you think about the things that you're blessed in, okay, so we can go back to Moses and the children of Israel. They disobeyed God. They didn't believe God. They were basically rebellious and rude and disrespectful the entire time they were in the desert. But their shoes didn't wear out. Okay? So now we have Jesus and we're supposed to have better promises. We have an agreement, a covenant built on better promises. They were wandering in the desert for 40 years and their shoes never wore out. And they were not wearing Nikes. You know what I mean? Like, that to me is way supernatural. On the tangible aspect of it, 
You know, Pastor and Miss P are crazy. I think we're all pretty clear on that. We love them dearly, and they know the Word of God inside and out, and that's why they're crazy. They have stuff that never wears out. Never wears out. They finally just said, Lord, we'd like a new fridge. They had to get rid of their old fridge because it had never wore out. They had it in Indiana when David and I met. It should have died. Should have died. Looked like it should have died. But it never wears out just because the source is always right there. You know what I mean? Another weird example is that Joe and I, I joke that Joe is the only normal samples. And some of you don't know Joe very well, um, but it's okay. He's about as weird as you and I are. The Samples family is as nice as they seem. The rest of us were not born like that. And Joe, I don't think he was born like that, but I think he he was given to them so that they could look like a normal family. And so I hope that he does. So he loves that. Joe and I have done the brother-sister thing, and we've grappled a little bit and, you know, said disparaging words to one another. But we love each other dearly. So anyway, all that being said is this. Joe and I get these ideas in our head that we're going to conquer the world, and we don't really have to read the instructions. And so we finally convinced Pastor Dave one day, we're going to build a new dining room table. You just say that we can go spend the money, and we're going to go build it. And he has this idea, and I'm on board. Yeah, we're just going to cut these boards apart, and we're going to screw them together, and it's totally going to be fine. So it kind of was fine until the wood expanded and contracted a little bit. And then that dining room table out out my garage for about six or eight months until I could get up the courage to go and say, Hey, Dad, I know you know how to do this. Can you, like, help me fix it? And he, yes, of course. And you know what he did was the same stuff we did. In essence, it was the same stuff we did. He just prospers in all he does. You know, like he just screwed a couple of screws and I'm like, why did I lose? You know, but it's just one of those things in pastor's life. We used to look at him and go, why is he praying in tongues walking through Walmart? And why is he, everything has to do with the Bible. Like you could just be talking to him and he comes up with a Bible joke. And it's a cheesy, ridiculous one. And you're like, oh, dad, you know. But really, what that has to do with is the source, the rivers of living water are right there all the time. So, yeah, it's right. He Pastor doesn't fail. Miss P doesn't fail. You know, when someone tells you that the Holy Spirit told them to spray Pam cooking oil inside of a Tupperware dish, you're like, yeah, you had to read that somewhere. Sure. Yeah, the Holy Ghost doesn't talk to you about your kitchen utensils, right? Oh, no, he does. But it took me a long time to go, so that's how come things are easier for you. Is because you just have so renewed your mind and you're so connected to that source that every single thought throughout the whole day has to do with, okay, all right, this is all about Jesus. No matter what, I'm I'm in the grocery store and it's all about Jesus. 
But to me, I'm thinking about that going, you know, that's why they're not sick. That's why they're not failing. That's why stuff's not falling apart. Because what's happening in here and here is changing physically what's going on. You know what I mean? And not to get personal, I hope that Miss P doesn't hate me for this. I'm going there. Okay, I love you, Mom. Um, so I used to have, and it's okay, it's going to be TMI, just roll with me, okay? So um, when I started developing as a young lady, um, I used to have really terrible cramps and headaches and symptoms and attitudes and, you know, so much that in the 7th and 8th grade, I was visiting an OB, and I'm a Christian. And my my mom is telling me, okay, well, you know, we need to figure out some medication for you to take so you're not insane for the rest of your life. And <laughs> and it was like that. It was it was a tough time for me. Well, you know, took some vitamins and took some supplements and whatever, and didn't have to really get on a ton of medication. But Miss P and I were having this conversation one day, and she said, well, you know, I've never had any trouble with any of that. I just I'm redeemed from the curse. And I went, well, yeah, I mean, I know we're redeemed from the curse of the fall. And she goes, no, you don't understand. We're redeemed from that curse in Genesis. So, no, we don't have to live like that. And when I got pregnant, she gave me this book on supernatural childbirth. And I'm going, it's legit. This stuff will change physically what's going on. And it has. You know? So that kind of stuff will change the chemicals in your brain. It'll change what's in your body. It'll revive your will and your soul. To me, that's a huge ordeal. That changes how you think about healing for your parents and how you think about healing for your kids and how you think about all of that. So what a blessing that the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is alive and it's powerful. And it will divide between the enemy's camp and our camp, it'll divide what's allowed to touch us and what's not allowed to touch us. So, sorry I went short, but I was really excited about that stuff. You should go watch the documentary. Praise God. So, can you do it with me this week? Can we go this week? Just pick one verse. I've actually got a youth baby. Jesse? I'm going to rag on you for a second. So, one of our youth babies, you know, sometimes church kids, you think, oh, they're hearing it, but they're not, like, grabbing a hold of it and living it boldly. And so Jessie's had some stuff going on in her life. And I put my arm around her one day and said, Jessie, you know, what are you thinking about this stuff? And, like, what do you think God's going to do? And she said, oh, no, I know God's got it. He's going to take care of it. And I said, okay, well, what are you standing on? She had it right off the top of her head, told me exactly what the memory verse was that she's standing on, had it in her heart, and texted me two days after that more verses that she had. And it made me want to leap and jump and say, you know what? That's right. It doesn't matter how young or old or smart or stupid you are. The word of God will change the whole thing. I'm excited about that. That's what our church does with the word. So praise God. We'll let Josh get up. I'm sorry. I should have said in closing. And then Josh would have gotten off the front row. In closing. And then Josh wanders up there. And he goes quick. Well, if you need prayer for anything tonight. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.